Hello. Now, this episode is to introduce a new project diary to you. We're going to be following the construction of a new home being built in New Zealand. Now, this is a project that I designed for the owners late last year. And so in this episode, I'll be sharing about how the design process actually went and how I worked with these homeowners to create the design for their future forever family home. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. I'm really excited to be sharing this project diary with you and to be kicking it off in this podcast episode. So what's a project diary? Well, it's where we actually follow the journey of someone who is building or renovating their home. And there are two project diaries on Undercover Architects website. One is the renovation of a Queenslander cottage and the other is the construction of a new family home for the Andersons. Now, these project diaries go step by step through their journey from their design process, their quoting, their selection of a builder and then the construction and the completion of the home. And it's a really great you know, way uh, if you're planning your own project to see how another family did theirs and what they learnt along the way. And it's the Anderson family that we're actually following again. See, late last year, they got an offer that they couldn't refuse to relocate back to New Zealand, which is where they're originally from. So they put the home that we'd built or that we designed and that they'd built uh, on the market and it sold very quickly and they found a a clean large block of land in New Zealand and they worked with me to create the design for their home and they're now working with a local draftsperson, a builder and other consultants to get their project uh, kicked off. And they've kindly invited us along for the ride. So I thought I'd use this podcast episode to give you an insight into how the initial design for their home was created and then over the coming months we'll be sharing more information as well as photos and videos from their building site in New Zealand. Now, whilst I've never seen the site in person, you know, the Andersons are awesome at photographing the progress and they've even got some drone footage as well. And uh, they've set up a YouTube channel so uh, that, you know, you'll get a great chance to see how this project unfolds in the months ahead. Now, in this episode, I'm going to share with you how the Andersons briefed me on their needs and their wants and their wishes for this home and the designs that I created as a result. And you'll also be able to check out these designs by heading to the Undercover Architect website. So the link for that is www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash New Zealand Home One. And that's the number one. So New Zealand Home One. And I'll also pop that link in the show notes as well so that you can uh, use you can go there to check it out. Now let's start with the Andersons brief. So I always say that the best briefs actually tell a story about who you are as a family, how you like to spend your time both in and beyond your home, what your dreams and your hopes are for your future lifestyle in your home, and ultimately how you want your home to feel and how you want to feel in your home. Now this is actually the third project that I've designed for this family and they're good friends of ours too. So it helps that I do know them very well. But I also 
always love hearing directly from the homeowners how they like to spend their time in their own words and and the dreams that they have for their home. And I also knew too that this project was very different to the others that we've done together. So the dream is that this is this is truly a forever uh, you know, a, and dream home. And it's a really big deal that the Andersons have moved back to New Zealand where both Claire and Darren grew up and they've bought a large block of land to build on. This is There's a big vision for this home. And so I knew that the design was going to need to tick a lot of very personal boxes for this family that were quite different, uh, particularly to the previous project that we'd done together. Now, the Andersons are a family of five. They've got three primary school aged kids and also a dog. (laughs) And the home will be needing to suit them uh, as they grow over the years to come. And of course, there'll also be guests who come and stay and the potential for Claire's mum to move in down the track as well. So there's the possibility to create accommodation for her too and for other family members. And, you know, a lot of their family are in New Zealand as well and nearby. So this home will be a hub for all of those celebrations and get togethers too. Now let me tell you a little about the site. Now the site or the land itself, it's large. It's five and a half thousand square meters. So you know that's an acre and a half is six thousand square meters. So it's almost it's five hundred square meters short of an acre. It's a it's a large rectangle and it's secluded and very private at the end of a cul-de-sac and it's north to rear. And the thing that really struck me about this block of land when I saw the photographs and the footage um, that Claire pulled together for me, it was just how big the sky seemed. You know, there were equally sized blocks around this block of land, uh, also with homes centred in them. So, you know, there's a there's a fair amount of established vegetation around and between the blocks as well. So, you know, the block is lovely and private and has this expansive view of sky and of greenness. And I knew that capturing that sense of big, expansive sky would be really important in the design. But also, I wanted to ensure that that bigness didn't overwhelm the intimacy of the home either. Now let's go through the room requirements uh, that the Andersons had. So this was the basic list. They wanted a master bedroom with a walk-in robe and an ensuite, and they wanted their bedroom, the master bedroom, to be separated from the kids' bedrooms. They wanted three kids' bedrooms, all of uh, similar sizes, which is what we did in the last house, um, and for them to include large robes, robes in them as well. They wanted an open plan kitchen with a butler's pantry uh, and then a dining and a lounge area with a fireplace. And that lounge area that was part of that open plan kitchen living dining would not have a television in it. Then they wanted a second living space, which actually also needed to accommodate a family heirloom, which is a full size billiard table. There was also the desire for an outdoor area with a fireplace and then also a mudroom that connected as access between uh, the garage and the interior of the home. They wanted a study area for the kids and also a small study nook or mum's office, as Claire called it, that was near the kitchen for that home command station and that sort of regular use of the computer. They also wanted an area outside for their dog to be able to hang around in the shade, particularly if they go out, that they can keep it secure without letting it have run of the full block of land. And there's the possibility for a future swimming pool. And then also, of course, the possibility down the track for a granny flat style self-contained accommodation. And, you know, when we were sort of talking early ideas about the home, there was conversation about whether this granny flat accommodation would be for guests now and then Claire's mum down the track or how it would be arranged and I'll talk through sort of the decision making that got uh, put into that as we talk about the designs themselves. 
Now, of course, there were some other personal nuances and, you know, requirements for specific spaces and, of course, pieces of furniture um, that needed to be housed as well. And then there was also some elements that were related to the services infrastructure that was required for the acreage block and the types of services that the home would have on the site. Now, let's talk about the feelings of this home because I always talk about how important it is when you're designing your new home or your renovation that you really think about how you want it to feel and how you want to feel in it. And this is actually a question that I explicitly ask at the beginning of the design process. It's something that I encourage homeowners to regularly visit uh, and revisit as they have to make the myriad of decisions and choices throughout their project. Now, Claire had a beautiful way to describe the feeling that she wanted this home to have. And it's actually one that many homeowners will tell me, but in slightly different words. So Claire said, when you enter the living space of the home, you feel welcomed like your favorite blanket wrapped around you in front of a roaring fire on a cold, wet day outside and that you never want to leave. Now, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Because you can immediately place yourself in that feeling. You know, it's so evocative. And the beauty of doing this, of using this as a steering force in your project, and particularly for me as a designer, to use it as a steering force in my design, that really helps focus on what is actually going to deliver that feeling. Claire also said, you know, when I visualize living in this home, I feel the main living area as a sun-drenched space of natural warmth, openly connected to the outdoor world, but equally protected from the harsher New Zealand climate. Sunlight and daylight play a major part in this vision, natural warmth and plenty of spaces to curl up in with a good book and a coffee in the sunshine. So, you know, I had some great material to sort of really visualise how this home was going to best deliver on this quality, this type of feeling and create these spaces for this family to live this way. Now, let's talk through the learnings, because given this is the third project that I've worked on with the Andersons and it's the second brand new home, there was also the opportunity to examine, you know, what they wanted to to do differently compared to the previous homes. Now, many of these learnings or things that the Andersons actually wanted to do differently, they were actually just related to the fact that we had extra space to work with. So, you know, Claire actually said to me there wasn't a lot that they would change, but their previous home, of course, was built on 405 square metres compared to this one being built on 5,500 square metres. So, you know, this is the chance to be more generous with the spaces in and around the home. And there's also specific things uh, that are related to the climatic conditions of New Zealand as well. So winters can be longer, colder, harsher than the previous home in Brisbane. You know, there's there's uh, also sort of really the value of bringing natural sunshine and warmth into the home in winter becomes really paramount. You know, the house needs to be focused on, on keeping itself warm rather than in Brisbane where we're focused on keeping the house cool. So how did all of this inform my design approach? Well, if you listen to the episode that I did a few weeks ago on designing for an acreage site, you'll know that there's a specific approach for a site of this size and type. The land area gives the opportunity to put everything on one level and to create a really strong on-grade indoor-outdoor connection. However, we also need to be sure that the home just doesn't get carried away with itself and become bigger than it needs to be. Early on, Claire, Darren and I, we talked about pavilion style homes and Claire actually showed me a series of images on a Pinterest board that she'd been collating um, that showed other projects with really strong forms of delineated pavilions that were pulled apart for different functions in the home. So, you know, for sleeping and for living. 
I also knew that high ceilings, you know, big volumes and those views to the sky were going to be a big part of making the most of that expansive view and the sense of spaciousness that was available on this site. And Claire also had some ideas for dark colours, really strong forms, interesting materials. And so I wanted to make sure that the design, you know, could make a big impact with these things as well. Now, firstly, let's talk about positioning the home on the site itself, because I talk in the episode uh, about designing for acreage sites, about how important the siting of the home becomes and how this factors into the overall master plan for the site. So the Andersons, they also wanted to be able to build a shed uh, for the storage of large items that were required for maintaining the block. You know, these things don't necessarily have to go into the garage. So if a shed was built, then it was a case of how we would situate that shed in relation to the house so that the shed didn't sit in the way of the home's view. There was also infrastructure of tanks and the like and how they'd be accommodated to best serve the home and not impact its outlook either. And of course, however the home was designed, it needed to make the most of the orientation and the outlook. Privacy on this block is largely handled by just the sheer distance between where the home will be and the size of the site and then the other homes in the area. And, you know, some of the existing and established vegetation that's on the site also assists with this. So we had a great opportunity to get the, to really position the home for orientation without having to worry too much about overlooking. I did, however, want to ensure that the approach to the home, so actually coming up the cul-de-sac and driving into the block, that that enabled privatisation of the home and its landscaped area. Now, as the home is located at the end of the cul-de-sac, and you'll see this if you check out the drawings on the website, because I'll put a couple of site plans in, the access to the site's actually just on one corner of it. And so I wanted people to drive in and have somewhere out of the way to park so that they weren't just all sort of driving right up to the house. And I wanted that arrival to the home to not all be about just presenting the garage door, um, but that that entry to the home itself was clear as well, so that you got a glimpse of the home's architecture, but it didn't expose the insides of the home too much or give too much away on you know, and put that on display to sort of the only public edge of the site. Now, there was also an opportunity to explore different ways of aggregating spaces and rooms. So the thing with home design is that you're not actually just creating a bunch of rooms and putting them together. You know, you're actually creating relationships between spaces that then can determine who regularly uses those spaces and how they get used in the life of the home overall. So for example, you know, the Andersons had already said to me that they wanted their master bedroom area to be separated from the kids' bedrooms. However, you know, did this separation need to be significant? Did the master suite need to be located on one side of the house and the kids' bedrooms in a separate wing right on the other side of the house? Or could it be sufficiently separated just in how the circulation uh, was arranged to each of those rooms so that Claire and Darren didn't have to walk past the kids' bedrooms on their way to their own bedroom? Another example of this is the second living space. So it was going to be a big room given that it had a need to accommodate a full-size billiard table and then the perimeter space that you need around a billiard table so that you can actually play on it and bend over and, you know, hold a pool stick. 
So we'd spoken about the possibility of, you know, how that living room might work, whether you'd have the billiard table and then have furniture that you could move around and push out of the way when you wanted to use the billiard table so that the room just didn't get too large itself. You know, the Andersons were pretty flexible about this, but I was really keen to explore whether it was possible actually to get that room working without needing to push furniture around at different times and for it to feel comfortable, um, but not overwhelming in size. And so then it was a case of looking at whether the second living space would be associated with that main kitchen, living, dining area, or whether it would be more closely associated with the kids' bedrooms, for example. And so, you know, whichever option would be chosen, that the relationship between that second living space and then the spaces it was close to, that would change how the room would be used over time. Now let's have a look at the design of the home itself. So I actually created three options for the design. And as I said, if you head to the website, you'll be able to see those designs. So the link again is www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash New Zealand Home 1, the number one, okay, New Zealand Home 1. So let me talk you through the designs now so that you can get a picture of what they're like and, and the decision making behind them. And then you can head to the website to see them yourself. So let's talk about the first option. The first option was all about pavilions. So the central pavilion contained the main living kitchen and dining area at one end, and then it had the garage at the other end. And between the garage and the living spaces of the home were a series of service areas. So the laundry, a mudroom, and a guest toilet. So this was all arranged in a central pavilion that was quite, you know, sort of dominant in scale and size. The kids' bedrooms, they were then in a separate pavilion and they had their family bathroom, they had a study area and they also had a linen store. And this pavilion also contained the second living space uh, that had the billiard table in it. So that was sitting in one pavilion. And then the master suite itself, it was in another pavilion, so a third pavilion, and it had also its walk-in robe and its ensuite. So the pavilions were arranged such that the main living one was at the centre, and then the kids' bedrooms were on one side with the second living space, and the master bedroom pavilion was on the opposite side. And the main living pavilion was in the middle, and you cross between the main living pavilion to get from the master bedroom across to the kids' bedrooms. And the Entry into the home was actually in a connection zone between the main living pavilion and the kids' bedroom pavilion. Now, the way that the home was arranged, it actually enabled the two living areas, even though they were in separate pavilions and they had the entry space connecting between the two of them, they still had a relationship with each other. You could see between these two pavilions from one to the other and the outdoor entertaining area also connected those two living spaces externally. Um, but they were separated and the second living space was clearly associated with the kids' bedrooms. Now, the second option that I designed was also a pavilion design. However, the rooms were arranged to have a different relationship with each other. And so, of course, that would change the feeling and the functionality of them. So in this design, the main pavilion contained the kitchen, living and dining area. And it also contained the garage, the laundry and the mudroom. But the second living space also sat as part of this main pavilion. The two living spaces were actually adjacent to each other, but they were separated by a thick wall that housed storage and it served both spaces on both sides and then it had also had a fireplace in the middle. So 
there were doors that were shown to separate as part of this big thick storage wall and you'll see the drawings. It's difficult for me to describe it verbally but if you head to the website you'll see the drawings. So this thick storage wall also had doors in it and it connected, it enabled basically separation and connection between both those living spaces. Now the fire, it meant that, you know, these doors could close the living spaces off from each other, but I actually saw a really strong visual continuity happening between them and the storage and the fireplace element um, that was the thick wall between them was a really strong feature element in the spaces generally. We even talked about there being glass around the fireplace and the storage, so glass that would sail up and over the top so that you could actually see the ceiling continue from one space through to the other and really get a visual connection and light the whole way through the home, standing sort of from the kitchen, looking through the dining to the first living space, storage wall, fireplace, then see the ceiling continue over the top into the second living space. Um, but the, that separation would still then give you that acoustic separation of both those two living spaces. Now, so that was all in the main pavilion. And then the second pavilion in this design, it contained all the sleeping areas. So we had a living pavilion and a sleeping pavilion. The master suite was actually accessed off one part of the hallway so that it was privatised from the kids' bedrooms. And a family and a bath and a study area, um, sorry, family bath and a study area sat in the core of the pavilion. And then the three kids' bedrooms then ran along the opposite side of the pavilion. Now, this option, it introduced the idea of a guest bedroom. So, you know, something we'd spoken about and I'd spoken about with the Andersons was how Claire's mum would be accommodated in the future. We'd actually discussed whether this would be in a self-contained granny flat uh, that had its own little kitchenette and all those types of things, or whether it would be within the home but still feel separate and sort of self-contained. And then there was an idea, of course, then, you know, how would guests be accommodated uh, and whether those, uh, those spaces would be the same thing and, um, you know, whether they'd lose their guest accommodation once Claire's mum moved in and how all of that would work. So what this option suggested was that the home actually contain a guest bedroom and then this could be used to accommodate visiting friends and I actually joked that I designed it for when me and my family come visit. (laughs) And then Claire's mum you know, she would actually, it would then enable her to be involved in the design of her own granny flat on the site when the time actually came for her to move in. Rather than it all being sort of forced now, she would actually then be able to, you know, make make decisions about it at the time when it was going to happen. So, you know, she could live in the guest bedroom in the house if need be whilst that granny flat was being built. And we looked at the master planning and the site planning as to where that granny flat could be located so that we had some ideas and knew that it wasn't going to compromise the design of the house now. But it meant that the home would always, in the long term, have a spare guest bedroom in it that wouldn't be compromised once Claire's mum moved in. Now, the third design option, it created a far more aggregated home. So, you know, form-wise, I still envisage that it would have a central higher core over those main living spaces, that that would be sort of the predominant form in the house. But this home was actually far more together than the pavilion options of the first two designs. In this design, the master bedroom and the kids' bedrooms, they were on opposite sides of the central living space. So master bedroom on one end of the house and kids' bedrooms on the other end of the house. The kitchen, living and dining area sat in the centre, like in the core of the home. Garaging was connected into the home via the laundry and the mudroom. And there was direct access from the garage into the butler's pantry in this option as well. Now, 
I often talk that I don't like access from the garage into the home via the butler's pantry um, because I feel that as you arrive home, particularly if you've got kids in tow, everybody's moving through that space. You're trying to put shopping down and everybody's sort of tripsing, tripping and, and traipsing over things as they move into the house. This was a bit different. You had the main access into the home via a mudroom access, but it was just when Claire did arrive home with groceries, she'd be able to pop them in. The kids could still go the main way, but she'd be able to pop them into the butler's pantry directly if she wanted to. Now, in this option, the central living space had almost acted as a core while the rest of the home pinwheeled around it. And the second living space, it sat as a separate space and a room that could actually be closed off. And it sat near the main living and dining area. And both of the living spaces, they directly accessed the outdoor entertaining area. So they were visually connected to each other across this space as well. But the second living space was, again, more associated with the kids' bedrooms in this option. This option had also included a guest bedroom and the guest bedroom in this option also incorporated the study area for the kids. So which option did they choose? I presented three of them. Well, each was going to create a very different home architecturally. There were significant form differences between each of these homes. There were slightly different size images, size differences, and you'll see the areas of the homes uh, when you go to the, the web link, you'll be able to see the areas of the homes on the floor plans. There were also different relationships between, for example, the kids' bedrooms and the master suite and how that second living space was positioned in the house. And then, you know, the arrangement of the kitchen and dining and living space sort of changed and its relationship to the outdoor area. What I find is that as a designer, you know, when you sit down to actually design a home for someone, you're literally making thousands of decisions to create a design for them that satisfies their wants and their needs. And in most cases, you can create, you know, two or three design options that will create that will really capture those wants and needs, but that also throw up more ideas. And so, for example, you know, some may some people may say to me, I want our bedroom to be separate from the kids' bedrooms. But, you know, how separate do you really want it? Do you want it to be in a different wing of the home or do you simply want it to be separate enough so that you feel private from each other you know my approach has always been that I'd rather show the homeowners the main options that are actually possible so that then they can determine their priorities rather than me making all of those decisions on their behalf and only showing them one option and I find that if I only show one option homeowners are often saying oh did you think about this did you think about this did you think about this but it's not actually until you see the design drawn that that a homeowner can realise, I find, you know, they can say, oh, I thought that I wanted this, but I actually prefer it done that way. Or I didn't think of that. And now I think that would be awesome to include. Or I didn't realise that by asking for that, it was going to mean that I had to have it, you know, happen that way. Or, you know, for example, the kids' bedrooms being separate from the master bedroom was like, oh gosh, they actually end up doing, do end up being a long way away from each other. Do we really want them that far apart? You know, I find that as a designer, in your drawing up home designs, you know, I'm already making so many decisions on behalf of the client just to physically draw up the design. And, you know, that to actually offer up a few different options ensures that they, as the owners, get to make the most important decisions themselves. And so, you know, I just ensure that whenever I'm doing this, I present design options that actually work. So whichever option they do choose, it's something that we can proceed with and it will result in a really great home, but that they can sort out their priorities and they can determine what's going to be the best fit for their needs and their dreams. So which option did they choose, hey? 
Well, you're going to have to follow along on the website to see, all right? And I'll be blogging about this project as progress happens on site. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you a member of the UA community? Because I know that there's lots of listeners who subscribe to the Get It Right podcast, but who don't receive my weekly UA news. And so the UA news is an email that I send out every Tuesday. And in it, I share helpful information for you in planning your renovation or new home. And it's where I'm going to be sharing updates for this project diary as well. So if you don't receive it, make sure that you join the UA community. Each week I put out lots more information than just the podcast and I often wrap this up in the UA news or I share other industry insights and those types of things. Now, you can join the UA community by heading to the web link www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design. And if you pop in your email address there, you'll receive my free e-guide how to design a home and then you'll also receive my weekly UA news which comes out every Tuesday and you'll be the first to know when I do updates to this project diary. So make sure that you sign up because then you'll get to see all of the uh, photographs and videos that we'll be sharing about the construction of this New Zealand home. I'll also let you know really soon which option Claire and Darren actually chose and, uh, and how we've proceeded with that design so that you can see what it looks like in terms of the floor plans and the elevations and um, start to see some really exciting stuff happening on site. So that's it for this podcast episode. So head to the show notes. I've put all of the links that I've mentioned there as well. And so then you can click on those and you can see the drawings and see the different options that I've been talking about in this episode. Now, let me tell you about the next episode because it is super exciting. Now, in the next episode, I'm kicking off a new season called the Stages of Home Construction. So if you're planning to start construction on your new home or your renovation anytime soon, this upcoming season will be essential listening for you. In this season, it's season number seven, Dwayne Pierce and I, we sit down and we talk through each of the stages of construction when building or renovating your home. Now, if you're not familiar with Dwayne, he's actually the builder that I interviewed in season four of the podcast. He's got loads of experience. He's a totally clever bunny. He's passionate about improving, renovating and building for everyone, homeowners, builders, tradies, designers, everyone. Dwayne actually told me it's his dream that he'll go to a barbecue and that people won't tell him some horror story about renovating or building. So that's what he's working towards. Uh, And of course, it's what I'm working towards. And so we have dived into the nitty gritty, both from a designer's and a builder's point of view, about what happens at each stage of your build, what you what you can expect to see getting done on site, how to avoid those big mistakes and those pitfalls that can blow budgets and can cause massive stress. And we share personal stories from the industries and we highlight the red flags for you to be aware of so that you can have a far better experience for your project. And equally exciting is the fact that I'm also launching a new online program in collaboration with this season. Now, this new online program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about simplifying the construction of your new home or renovation and helping you be more sane and confident in the process. So Dwayne and I, of course, we could only fit so much of our conversations into the podcast episodes. So the online program contains the full uncut version of our discussions. And the course also 
includes a bunch of tools and checklists and templates that will assist you with managing your build more effectively. Duane and I have actually pulled together a lot of our own key documents that we use for projects that enable us to run them effectively and manage risk overall. We also walk you through a contract, a building contract, to highlight the biggest hazard areas. So, you know, and I'm, look, I could keep going on and on. There is so much more in that online program, Manage Your Build. Uh, far too much for me to mention here, okay? So for a long time now, I've been asked by members of the UA community to create something that helps them know whether a builder is any good, you know, to really help them avoid getting ripped off in the construction project. And for far too long, I've seen homeowners be subjected to terrible experiences. You know, as builders will cash flow their projects from future work uh, and will operate with very little financial stability. I've seen builders go into liquidation mid-project and homeowners left with unfinished homes where they've actually paid 80% of their contract but only have 40% of the home actually completed. You know, these horror stories, they do not have to be your story. And you finding a great builder creating a great collaborative team and being informed about the construction process of your home whether you're building or renovating that's how you're going to save time money and stress and get it right and that's exactly why I've created this online program manage your build and I'm also doing this podcast season I'm going to be sharing more about this online program as we kick off this season next week and of course we're going to be diving into the podcast as well to share this knowledge with you I cannot wait. This is going to be a game changer. Okay. I'm so excited to be bringing this information to you. So make sure that you tune in, let any friends or family know as well, so that that can really help them with their future build or renovation too. Okay. So that's it. Now this has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Thanks so much for listening and for tuning in. Until next time. Bye. Bye.